It's great to be together and uh, hang out this weekend. Hello, everybody over at Montrose and online. And uh, a couple of things that I want us to, uh, to one thing I want to just remind you of, and then I want to pray uh, for something before we start teaching. Um, don't forget next weekend uh, here at Gent Road, uh, we're going to do a floor signing over in that big uh, athletic space that we're building over there. And I'll tell you more about how that's a discipleship tool and how we're going to utilize that next weekend. But when you come to services next weekend uh, at Gent Road or at Montrose, uh, we're gonna kind of shake the services up a little bit. We'll gather, we'll worship, I'll teach some, uh, and then we'll kind of go grab the family and we're gonna go down there and uh, write some prayer requests and some names of folks that we're praying for will be uh, impacted for Christ or discipled on that floor. It's kind of a fun thing to do and we'll kind of dedicate the building that, uh, that way. If you watch online all the time, you're just gonna have to come here. You can't do that virtually. Uh, so uh, come in and be a part of that. So that's next weekend. I just kind of know that's in front of you. The thing I want us to pray for is that we have about, about 170, 180 women who are on a women's retreat right now. In fact, I've been watching some of you fathers to see if you could actually get the children to church and uh, some of you did great. Some of you, you know, they basically are clothed. Uh, so good job uh, getting them here. But um, those retreats are really, really important things. We do a lot of that here at Grace because there's something about pulling away, dialing in uh, that we can hear from God in a special way. And so I thought it'd be good for us to stop and pray and just ask God to interact with that part of our church family in a special way uh, while they're out on that retreat. So would you join me? And doing that, Jesus, thank you for all the ways that you work and all the family that you have gathered here at Grace, but we pray in a unique way for all of the, the women who are on this retreat. And God, uh, they come there with their stresses and their pressures and their joys and their sorrows and their celebrations and their wounds, like all of us do. And thank you, God, that they can uh, maybe get out from under some of that for a couple of days and that they can just give their full attention to you. So God, just meet them there in a special way. Uh, minister to their hearts, speak into their lives, let them bond and, and uh, create friendships and, and just be the body of Christ there as well. So God, we just ask that you, you do that in a special way. Do that for us too, God, as we open up your word and we look at your heart and we look at your mind. Uh, help us to, to see what you would have us to see and even see our part in it. As, uh, as you call us forward. So thank you, Jesus. We love you in your name. Amen. Well, we've been looking these last couple of weeks at a couple of the things that make us unique as a church family. And, uh, and this is just uh, something that we'll do every once in a while because uh, Grace Church is unique in that we often have a lot of new folks. And you'll see why here in a minute, we're often starting new churches, and then we're often uh, just telling people the good news about Jesus, and people respond to that, and that might be you. You might have responded to the, the good news about Jesus here just recently. So church is a new thing, or at least grace is a new thing. And uh, of course, the last few years, you know, there's been a lot of changes. So a lot of us would sit here and say, I've been here for a couple years. I love it. I feel welcomed. I feel engaged. And I'm trying to figure it out a little bit. And if that's you, you're probably normal. Now, that's a pretty normal thing at Grace Church. And so what we do once in a while is we stop and, and just try to catch everybody up to speed with who we believe God has called us to be and what we're doing. 
And that's a really normal thing. I remember when, uh, when I first married Heidi, like I, I loved her family, loved her mom, loved her dad. They welcomed me in and love her, I like her brother. But like, like I felt really welcomed into the family. But like they did family stuff and I didn't feel like they were excluding me or leaving me out. I just felt like I didn't know what was happening yet. And that can happen in a church family too. Like you're welcome, you feel loved in, you don't feel like anybody's keeping you out, but you realize, oh, there's, there's stuff like that's clicking already and it takes a minute to get up to speed on that. And so we like to stop every once in a while and try to help that to happen. And one of the things that we realize is that as a church family, that when we look at Jesus and we look at his heart and his mind, uh, there's parts of what he says, parts of the things that he's passionate about that we're passionate about in a unique way and that we act on in a unique way. And it's just good sometimes to like say that stuff out loud so that it makes sense and so that you can see maybe places where God is calling you as an individual uh, to be a part of that and, and to be locked into it. And that's what I wanna, that's what I did last week and I wanna do that this weekend and then we'll do that next weekend as well, okay? So let me start uh, this weekend with just a little quick survey, okay? Here's a little quick survey for you. By show of hands, uh, if, you, if you either came to know Jesus here at Grace Church or you came back to Jesus here at Grace Church or your faith and your interaction with God has increased in a uniquely positive way since you tied into Grace Church, just raise your hand real quick if, that, if that's you, okay? So most of us. So we would look and say, I interacted with a friend or a group of friends. Somehow they connected me to this local church uh, and this local church has like affected me in a unique way. This family of people has affected me in a unique way, okay? Now, here's, what I, here's why I ask you that question. I want, to, I want to show you why, why that happened and how that happened and why and how it happened is actually a huge part of how God calls us or interacts with us personally, okay? So it's a really unique question to think about. How did a uh, Jesus who showed up in the ancient Middle East 2,000 plus years ago verbally shared his message with people. His message was rejected by the vast majority of people that heard it and was rejected by the political systems and the power structures around him. It was really only embraced by about 500 people we know from the Bible. So how did an ancient prophet, no radio, no television, no uh, intercontinental communication, no printing press, nothing, how did that life-changing message that clicked with about 500 people show up in your life in a literal, tangible, personal way so much so that when I ask you if it's affected you, you raised your hand? Like how, over time, space, oceans, cultures, continents, like, like why would you raise your hand right here and say, yeah, that Jesus thing, I'm, that has affected me too? How in the world did that happen? And then I wanna, I wanna answer that question and then I wanna talk about how, how that now is something that we would own. You would own personally, we would own corporately and it's a big part of like what like makes Grace Church make sense, okay? So how did that happen? Well, it happened because Jesus said in essence, I want it to happen. So he says this, he says a bunch, he says this a bunch of different ways. I'm just gonna show you one of them. But here in, Ma in uh, Acts chapter one, verse eight, 
he's talking to these people. But so he says to these people, these are these 500 people he's talking to directly. And then he speaks to us through the scripture. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus looks at these 500 people and through scripture, the, the you now is you, it's me. I'm gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and lives with me. So when I accept Jesus Christ as my savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit then lives within me. And this is what you're gonna do. You're gonna be my witnesses. So all I want you to do and what I'm kind of directing you to do is this. I want you to tell people how I changed your life. And if you've come into the the truth of Jesus Christ, the salvation of Jesus Christ, if you found the hope and the help that comes through Jesus Christ, the healing that comes through Jesus Christ, I want you to bear witness to that. That's all I want you to do. I want you to to tell somebody, when somebody asks you for the reason for the hope that's within you, how did your life change? You guys were on the verge of divorce, now you're not. You were always uptight, now you're not. You were the wild child in high school, now you're not. You're, how did your life change? Where did that come from? I want you to tell the people around you the reason for the hope that's within you, and I just want you to be witnesses. And I want you to do that like with, uh, with the people that you live with in Jerusalem. I want you to do that with the people that you, you hang with and work with, and I want you to do that with your cousins out of town. And then I want you to kind of move that to the ends of the earth. So ultimately, if we looked and said, how, how is it that before the printing press, before mass communication, before the telegraph, like how is it that this ancient, Uh, this ancient teacher, Jesus Christ, who's the son of God, who owned nothing, had no home, had no infrastructure, nothing. How is it that his message clicked? He taught for three and a half years. It clicked with about 500 people. About 500 people were there when Jesus went back to heaven. It clicked with them. He said this to them, and it shows up over here now. And ultimately, when you boil that down, all that ever happened was when Jesus affected somebody's life, whoever's life was affected, they told somebody else about it. And the spread of the gospel, the spread of the good news, the hope and the help that you have found basically showed up that way. Now, as the Bible goes on, we'll see that that directive from Jesus gets a little bit more instruction as you go deeper into the second part of the Bible, the New Testament. So there's a guy, he's named the Apostle Paul. God spoke through him to kind of help Jesus make sense to us in a lot of ways. And the Apostle Paul was talking to his protege, this guy named Timothy. And he said, Timothy, one of the ways that we should do this is we should make sure that people know the core beliefs about who Jesus is so that they can tell other people. So this is the way that he said it. He said this, he said, you've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So the apostle Paul says to Timothy, he goes, Timothy, you heard me teach stuff. Like you heard me teach that Jesus isn't just a prophet, he's actually the son of God. Uh, you heard me teach that Jesus didn't just kind of theoretically or spiritually raise from the dead, he like physically rose from the dead. 
Uh, you heard me teach that Jesus did stuff that only God can do. Like he healed the blind, he caused the lame to walk, he raised people from the dead. Uh, you heard me teach, and you've heard other people teach, because they, they saw a bunch of people, Timothy, remember I introduced you to them? Uh, they saw Jesus die on the cross, and some of them handled his dead body when they took it off the cross, and we put it in the, in the tomb. And then a, a few days later, they interacted with the resurrected Jesus. Like the same people who took him off the cross were talking to him later, and they knew for legit he was dead. So he looks at Timothy, he says, Timothy, you've heard me teach these things, what I want you to do is I want you to take the things that I've taught you and I want you to teach them to other people so that those other people can pass those things on to other people. And when you look at those two things, that's basically why you know about Jesus is people bore witness. Like this actually happened to me. I actually was there. The apostle Paul, he has a really unique story because he interacted with Jesus personally. He's like, I'm telling you, I was just going, I was going to Damascus. And like he taught, I'm telling you, that's what happened. I'm telling you, these people, Joseph Arimathea, it's like, I'm telling you, like I, I took him off the cross, I put him in the grave and then he was up, he was up. He like rose again. I'm telling you, that's what happened, right? And so he says, you take these truths, you take this understanding, you take this core message that Christ came for our salvation, that he's not out to get you, he didn't come to condemn you, but to save you. Uh, he has mercy and grace and forgiveness for all who believe in him. You take those things and you teach them to the people around you. And how the gospel traveled from all the way there to all the way here is people like us Normal folks who would say, yeah, I mean, like Jesus changed my life. Like that's a thing. People like us looked at this part of the Bible and said, okay, well, that's what Jesus wants us to do. So we will bear witness and we will help other people know what Jesus says and what he does so they can help other people to know and they can help other people to know and they can help other people to know. And when you look at that in the Bible, what you'll find in the Bible real quick is like a pattern. And you'll find this pattern that individuals would reach individuals. So I would bear witness to you. You're my friend. This is what happened to me. Now I'm telling you. We went to college together. You were there when I was crazy, crazy, Jeff. This is how I've changed. This is how God can change you. So people would tell people and then groups would breach groups and then churches would make other churches. And when these churches, when these groups of people were gathered together in these churches, those churches would identify potential leaders, train them up and send them out. So individuals would reach individuals. That would turn into friends reaching friends. Those friends would gather together in what we would think of as a local church. And then those local churches would look at the people within the church and they would say, how many of you, any of you wanna be a leader and start another church? Any of you uniquely gifted in a certain way? Do you guys actually believe what Jesus says? And they would train up other people they would pass the truth down and those people would go out and they would train up other people and they would pass the truth down and that's what happened. That's why you and I are sitting here. Somebody in Jerusalem like read that, so to say, and they were like, well, let's do that. 
And they, they sent out, they got individuals, created groups, created the church, and like, you know what? You know who needs a church? Samaria. Like we, or Judea, we should go send it out to Judea. And then they did that, and they're like, let's go to Samaria. And then they did that, and they're like, let's go, let's go over to Europe. And a bunch of years ago, a bunch of people, and, and if you're looking at Grace Church's history, a bunch of people in Germany were like, you know who needs the gospel? Who? People in Pennsylvania. They need the gospel like bad, like near Pittsburgh especially, right? And so they sent people over here that they had identified, they had trained and they sent them out. They showed up over here and then they started identifying, training, 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 identifying. And then back in the 1940s and 50s, a group of people were identified and trained and showed up here. And that's 60 years, that's where, this, that's where the church came from. And it was just people doing that again and again and again and again. They looked at that and said, Jesus, ready? Jesus told me to be a witness. Not those guys over there, me. That's a part of what it means for me to to follow Christ. So I share the reason for the hope that's within me. Uh, Jesus told me to allow myself to be trained. And then Jesus told me to do the training. And then some of them looked and said, Jesus told me to go and to go and do that, okay? Now, press pause for a second. Grace Church does this all the time. And this is part of where we're, we're, this is unique how we do this. But we would do this all the time. And we, it's, it's, we would have a way, not the only way, not the best way, not the only biblical way, just our way, we would have our way of trying to make that very process happen so people can have the hope that we found. So we have trained up all kinds of leaders last 10 or 15 years. These men and women would be in that process where they, they along the way looked and said, uh, I'll be trained, I'll be sent, I wanna go do that. And we have invested in them. We've got them a Bible education. That's why we have the undergrad. We got them a seminary education. That's why we have the master's degree. And then we've looked at them and said, we want to send you out. We affirm you. We bless you. And these men and women are doing ministry all over the country and all over the world because they just looked and said, yeah, when I look at that, I see that playing out that way. Right now, we would have interns and residents. So these people, these men and women, and all these men and women are, are they're looking and saying, you know what? When I think about leading a church, or I think about you guys sending a group of us out to start another church, um, I, I mean, I'll do that if you want me to. They just kind of volunteer. Like, I'll... if. Yeah, I, instead of doing this for a vocation, I'll do that for a vocation. Instead of getting this degree, I'll get that degree. Like, I'll do it if you want me to. And especially if you want to help me and help me get through school and, like, let me train with you and, and kind of on you sometimes. Like, I, I would be super open to doing that. And I'm just, like, volunteering. And I'll go out and be a part of that. And so we would look at Grace Church and we would say, yeah, that's what we believe we should do. You and I should share our faith with our friends and family. Uh, Our groups should care about, my group of friends in my dorm should care about my dorm. And then as a church, we would look and say, as a church, we believe Jesus would tell us to like send people out to start another church. 
And to do that well, we train them and get them ready to go. So uh, we, the last campus we started, by the way, what we call a campus, you should think of as a church plant. So the last campus we started, we started in the east side of Akron. And we would look for a place where the gospel is not clear and it's not easily accessible. And we would look and say, can we be a part of making the gospel clear and easily accessible in a, in a different area outside of, of the, the Bath campus? Can, can we do that? And we found that area and we had a group of people say, would you come over and do that? And we said, we would love to. Let's see who we have trained that we could send. So we would look at this group of people and we would say, uh, Pastor Ryan has been trained. How many of you remember Pastor Ryan? Some of, some of you do, okay? Ugly, isn't he? So Pastor Ryan, right, has been trained. Pastor Ryan, this is how it works, ready? Pastor Ryan's friend in college led him to Christ. So his friend Joe bore witness to Ryan and Ryan accepted Christ. Then Pastor Ryan became a part of a group, we call it collective now. So he became a part of our young adult ministry, the collective ministry. And then while he was there, he raised his hands and he's like, um, I'll do that if you want me to. Like if you can te you teach me the Bible because Pastor Ryan didn't know anything about the Bible. He didn't grow up in church. So if you can teach me the Bible and you can teach me sound doctrine and good theology and, and like teach me how to lead, like I'll, I'm totally open to doing that. So we did that and Pastor Ryan served here for a lot of years. How many of you remember Pastor Ryan's first sermons when he first started teaching here at Grace? Right? They were horrible, weren't they? They were terrible. So he had to learn how to do it. Now he's one of the best teachers I've ever heard. But he kind of had to learn how to do it and he had to get that skill set up. So a few years ago, Pastor Ryan looked and said, I mean, if there's an opportunity over on the east side of Akron and, there's, and you need somebody, I'll do it. So he raised his hand. So we asked Pastor Ryan and then we looked at Pastor Aaron and Pastor Aaron said, I'll go with him. If you want me to, Pastor Aaron interned, was a resident here in our youth and student ministries. He's like, I'll go. If you want me to go, I'll go too. And so we sent Aaron. And then we needed a worship guy to lead worship and organize the creative side of it. So Pastor Jordan, who was a resident here with us, led worship here all the time. He goes, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go with him. If you want me to go with him, I'll go over there and do that. So we sent Pastor Jordan and then we needed a children's director to help with that. So Hannah Schaefer, who worked in our Power Kids, was an intern and a resident with us. She said, I'll, I'll go help with that. So she went over with that and she pitched in. They became a leadership team. And then about a year ago, Ryan was like, I could really use an intern. So we sent River over. And River's doing his internship and his residency here. And it's, it's just us looking and saying, well, that's, that's how we start new churches where people bore witness. It, it's, it's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And like, that's kind of our Judea over there. And, and the gospel is not clear and easily accessible. We train leaders on purpose so that they can be sent. And then the, the elders and, and I looked around and said, who's ready to go? And Ryan's ready to go. Ryan, you wanna go? He's like, I'll go. And we sent them out and they started a new church. 
When we had that leadership team then organized and was ready to go, I, I came up here and I sat up here and I said, okay, um, it's not just pastors who go, uh, some of you gotta go. Like we're gonna go start a church body over here. So who lives on the east side of Akron? And some people were like, I do. And some people were like, me. And I was like, let's start talking and let's start meeting. Who will go? And a bunch of people went. Uh, some of our elders went. Some of our church leaders. Some of our Sunday school teachers. Some of our musicians went. And all these people, just like you, said, you know what? I realize that that bearing witness and that Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria thing, that's not like those people out there. That's like me. So I'll go do it. I feel like God is asking me to do it. And so we got that group of people together and then we send them out the door. And all of their volunteering and all of their time, all the money they give, everything goes with them. And they go out and they start that new work. And that's Grace Church's way of doing Acts chapter one, verse eight. It's Grace Church's way of doing what Paul said to Timothy. It's not the only way. There's lots of ways to do it. It's just our way. And it's us looking and saying, we believe that to be a church, Jesus would tell us to think in those ways. Now we call this, our nickname for this is 30 and 30. 30 and 30, maybe you've heard me talk about it a little bit here and there. So it's our desire to start 30 campuses or 30 churches in 30 years. We've started eight so far, so we've got 22 more to go. The reason we picked 30 years is because if you read the book of Acts, the book of Acts plays out over about a 30 to 40 year time span. So we just looked and said, God, if you did all of that in 30 years, if we got up every day and we worked hard and we gave of ourselves and we sacrificed and we invested the money, uh, could you do that through our little church too? And, and could, could you reach a bunch of people like that? And it's just us looking and saying, that's, that's what we believe that Jesus tells us to do. We would do that corporately, and then we would do that individually. There's parts of that that we do individually, and there's parts of it that we can only do corporately, right? So this is important, you ready, you with me? This is one of these things in your Christian life that, you, that we have to understand in order to really please God, okay? So 30 campuses in 30 years, I cannot do that. So you cannot look at me and say, Jeff, boy, good job, buddy. We really believe in you. Here's a big check and our well wishes. I cannot do that. Ready? Neither can you. So you can't change the world. I know that you tell your kids that, but we lie to them about all kinds of things, right? You can't change the world. That's not the way that works. You can't do that. You can bear witness to another individual and you probably can get a group going, but it takes a church to give birth to another church. So doing that part of Acts chapter one, verse eight, doing that part of God's plan, that's something that we have to do. I have a role, 
You have a role, but we must join that together. We have to decide that we're going to give a reason for the hope that's within us. We, we corporately, starting with you, you have to decide that I'm not gonna just keep my salvation to myself. I'm not gonna have my sins forgiven. I'm not gonna receive the help and the hope and the healing of Jesus and think to myself, man, I'm glad that worked out for me. So you have to decide that you're gonna give a reason for the hope that's within you that you're gonna bear witness. As a friend group, as a family, you have to decide that. We are going to reach our dorm. We are gonna show up at the holidays this way for the rest of our family. We are gonna care about our neighborhood. But as a church, we have to decide that too. We have to decide that the, the number one thing that Jesus calls us corporately to is to be witnesses and to take the gospel to the ends of the earth because we have to pull that off together. This is what the apostle Paul says later on. He asks this really fascinating question. He says this, he says, how can people, how can people call on him, on Christ to save them unless they believe in him? So how in the world would people know to find salvation through Jesus Christ if they have no idea who Jesus is? So they have to know somehow, right? So how can they do that? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? I mean, it's only logical, right? I can't believe Christ for my salvation, for my hope and my healing if, I, if I've never heard about him. So I have to hear about him and then how can they hear about them unless someone tells them? Unless you bear witness. If, if the 500 people who really bought into Jesus while he was on the planet, that's what it boiled down to. If those 500 people walked away and they're like, you know what? Those are the best days of our life. Let's all sit around and talk about college for the rest of our life. Let's all talk about the glory days because they'll pass you by, glory days. Twinkle in the young girl's eye. I mean, what if they had done that? If they had not said, we, we are gonna go and we are gonna bear witness, and then he says this, and how can anyone go and tell them unless they're sent? There has to be this thing where we look at each other and we say, you're not breaking away. Ryan didn't split the church. Ryan and I don't compete with each other. Pastor Tony, Adam Medina and I, we don't compete with each other. Those people didn't leave Jeff. They were sent. Because we corporately decided this is the most exciting thing that we can do. How can they do that unless they're sent? And this is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And that's what you raised your hand toward. You looked and said, I don't know, man. Like I walked in here, if I really thought about it, somebody knew my mom, who knew my sister, who knew, and I like walked in here. But I don't know, I showed up and there was like a church. And it, it changed my life. Not the church, the God that the church glorifies. 
the savior that the church proclaims. I don't know. I mean, I just, it was here. And what Jesus would want us to know is he would want us to know that it, it didn't just show up here. A group of people like you read what Jesus said in the scripture and said, okay, apparently, just as I'm called to love, just as I'm called to forgive, just as I'm called to care for the poor, I'm called to bear witness and I, I'm called to send and to be sent. And those people repeating those actions for a couple thousand years is how you walked in to a building. It's how the gospel was made accessible to you. It's how you knew the name of Jesus was the name by which you must be saved. And God's people taking that seriously and actually putting organization and effort behind it and owning it, ready, you listening? Owning it personally is how the gospel advances. And here at Grace, we believe that this is a normal, natural part of your walk with God. So we would look at ourselves and we would say, we're the Bath Campus of Grace Church. And every once in a while, we've done this with Medina, we did it with Barberton, we did it with County Line, we did it with Town Center, and we did it with Akron East. We will look and say, there's a place over here that the gospel is not clear and it's not easily accessible. What we should do is we should have a group of people from here, people that have been trained, people who are committed to bearing witness, people who know that we've been sent. We should have this group of people leave us and go over here. And when they go over there, they go all the way over there. They, they take all their money with them and they give it there and it stays there and we use it there to reach people. They take all of their leadership with them. So they go and they lead a life group there. They lead a Jesus space there. They lead a connection group there. They teach Sunday school there. They, they take uh, their relationships with them. It's a really good thing when you look at your friend who you go here with and say, you know, they're going over there and we live in the same neighborhood. How about you go with me? And you move a whole group over there and they take that vision with them, see? Because they had a vision about how God could use them and how they could play a personal role and what that would look like. And that all gets kind of taken out of here and it gets sent over there and you have a new campus. And it's a powerful, powerful thing. When Pastor Ryan did that three years ago, he went over to the east side of Akron with about 100 people. They run about 500 people every weekend. We're getting them in a building that we were given. They'll be running 1,000 people within two years. And the good news of Jesus is being proclaimed. We did that with Pastor Tony about 10 years ago. We sent him and a couple hundred people over to Medina. They showed up in a warehouse, creepiest place on planet Earth was where we had church. We weren't sure, you weren't sure if you were going there for church or going there to be like kidnapped. And we started there with nothing. They run about 1,500 people a weekend. They'll be at a couple thousand here within a couple years. 
my last conversation with Pastor Ryan was where are they gonna start their new campus at? My last conversation with Pastor Tony was when are we gonna start the new campus? Because we kind of know where we're gonna do it. And they are repeating this process just like we repeat this process. And this has happened over, over the years. Over the last 10 years, about 2,000 of you have left the Bath Campus and gone to Medina, to Akron, to Barberton, to County Line, even all the way down to South Carolina and Atlanta to be a part of this. And we would look and say, that's just what we're supposed to do as a church, okay? And this isn't Jeff, because I can't do it. And it's not you, just out on your own, because you can't do it either. This has to be a we issue. And what we have to ask is this question. You have to walk away from this saying, oh, that makes sense, what Grace is doing. And then you have to ask this question, what's my role in it? Because 10 years ago, when we sent people, new folks come and they ask this question, what's my role? I have to bear witness. It's what my savior told me to do. Who are the individuals? Who's my three that I'm praying for by name every day that God would give me a no-brainer opportunity to share the reason for the hope that's within me? Who are those three people? What's my role in it? My group is reaching a group. I invited all my friends from my neighborhood to come to church with me because I'm excited about who it is. And those people, a bunch of folks left from Medina, a bunch of folks come in, and those new folks started asking that question again. How, how, do, I, how do I support this financially? That's what All In, All Out is. It's a vision campaign. That's why we need you to keep giving to it and start giving to it. Because I, we, whether it's the interns or whether it's seed money to lock into, how do, maybe I engage it financially. What about my leadership? These folks are gone. Now we need somebody to go on the junior high retreat. I mean, somebody has to serve Jesus that way. We need people to lead. We need, why? Because they left and they're doing it somewhere else. Now somebody else has to step into that vacuum. That starts to be the role. What about my relationships? Like it's hard. It's hard when your life group half of them went and half of you stayed and now you're staring at each other not sure what to say. It's hard when your best friend used to go to church with you every weekend and now they're planting another campus somewhere else. It's not a lot of fun when you and the kids and the grandkids all got to meet at church every weekend and now half of them started going to take the gospel somewhere else. So we have to love each other, we have to release each other, we have to join together. And then this vision, what if I started talking to my friends about maybe we could do it, maybe we could be a part of it. And as you start to figure out how God is calling you and what God is locking into you, what you're gonna find is that some new opportunity is always in the mix. We'll start talking about this pretty soon. There's a new opportunity, there's always new opportunities in the mix. And we're gonna gear at it and we're gonna look at it and we're gonna dial into it. Why? It's not because this is how a mega church becomes more mega. I would, res I would resent that implication. It's not because we gotta get market share and man, you, somebody's just gotta take out those Baptists. You just gotta do it. Nope, that's not Christ-like. It, listen, 
It's just us trying to do what we see Jesus told us to do. That's it. That's it. And this is just our way of doing it. It's not the only right way. I don't think that for a second. It's just the way that makes sense to us. It's the way that has worked for us. And if grace is going to be your church home, your friends are gonna leave. Your neighborhood's gonna be on a radar. You're gonna have to wrestle with, how do I jump in? You're gonna be asked for money so that we can move the gospel forward. And it's important that when I think about my walk with Jesus, my personal interaction with Jesus, this is a part of that. This isn't something that the church is doing. This isn't those people over there. This is God drawing, calling, offering to you. Guys, listen. This is the most important and most dynamic thing you're ever gonna do. Your job's going away. It's gonna go away. Maybe not next week, but your industry probably ain't gonna exist in 100 years, let's be honest. Your house, going away. Going away. At best, your kids take it. They'll probably sell it off and get the money. I mean, come on. You know your kids. Your stuff's going away. What doesn't go away is the eternal investment of our lives. When you bear witness to who Jesus is to somebody else, that doesn't go away and it doesn't return void, the Bible says. When you team up with a group of friends and say, you know what, let's pray for our dorm, let's pray for work, let's pray for our school, that doesn't go away, that has an eternal impact. And when we as a church, because I can't do it and you can't do it, we have to do this together because only churches can give birth to churches. When we as a church look and say, this gospel is not just for us, this grace is not just for us, this truth is not just for us. And what God has given us, he's given us each other, he's given us resources, and we're gonna, we're gonna reach this area that we're in, this little piece of dirt that we're on, but we're always gonna be thinking about Judea. And what about Samaria? Man, they, they need the hope that we found. And what about those people way over there? And why do we have this weird connection in Georgia? Why do we have this weird connection in South Carolina? Why would we do that? So even out there, we would look and say, that's what God is calling Ready? Me to do and me to be a part of. And you give your life to that, that's not an obligation, that's not a chore, that's not guilt. That is an incredible opportunity. When you look back and you look at your life and say, I, I went to church for 30 years and look what God did through you. I followed Jesus since I was 20 and now I'm whatever. And look what God did through you. And look at the legacy of your faith. Look at the legacy of your efforts. 
and look at the lives that God has changed again and again and again and again and 100 and 500 and 1,000 and 2,000 years ago, people just like you sat in a room something like this and said, I see that's what God wants from me and I'm in. And they're in heaven now. The Bible says they're a part of a great cloud of witnesses. And they're looking down. And if they could talk to you, they would look at you and say, best thing I ever did was gave my life to Jesus, shared my faith with people I loved, and was a part of God advancing his church and building his kingdom. I want, you, I want us in on this always. And this stuff, it, it shows up in your life in real time. And the longer you're at grace, the more it'll show up. Some of you, you're, you're new and you haven't had the fun of doing this yet. Some of you are old and honestly, you haven't held up well. I'm just worried. But, and you're like, I know. I know. And, and if, if I looked at you right, if I said stand up and tell me if this is worth it, you would. Right? Because you've seen the way that it changes people's lives. Okay? And this is something that Jesus is inviting each of us to be a part of. All right, would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you and we're grateful that you allow us to serve you the way that you do. Lord, all, everything you call us to do, you call us to do for our benefit. It's a part of our joy, it's a part of our purpose, it's, it's a part of the fulfillment of life. And God, that you would create the church because you did that. You would call the church because you did that. And you would form this spiritual family where we can love each other and serve each other and forgive each other and teach each other and build into each other's lives and cheer for each other and go do this stuff that we can be sent, that we can send and that we can be a part. And God, you have done that. You have done that through war, through famine. You've done that over time. You've done that under persecution. You've crossed the oceans with this good news. God, you've done this in a billion ways. You, you are going to make a way. You make a way for us personally. You make a way for your church. And that's when you say that the, the advance of the kingdom, the church is not gonna be defeated. It's because you empower us individually and then you empower us corporately. And when we love and serve and give ourselves to you, God, there's nothing that can stand in the way of what you're gonna do. So thank you. God, help us to see our role. It's not out there somewhere. It's not a thing somebody's doing. It's the calling. It's our every day. Help us to see those that you love, that you've placed in our path and to bear witness, God, of the powerful things that you've done in our lives.